This is an opportunity to step back from Disney movies and the rough and tumble world of doing business in the 21st century and face the truth from God's Word. On our last Truth Encounter, Dave Wurtzen opened up Deuteronomy chapter 33, where God warned His Old Testament people about some influences that could destroy them. The worship of nature and occultic practices were some of these destructive forces. So let me invite you to turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 33, and let's join Dave for the conclusion of the Jewish blessing. In the occult side, in the false spiritual world, nothing is right and nothing is wrong. Mount Sinai comes to us and says moral relativism is wrong. You see, what Moses is saying is if you want to have a fundamental blessing in your life, then that blessing is going to begin as you open your heart to believe that the Lord God of heaven and earth, the God who's really there, has spoken on Mount Sinai, and there really is such a thing as right, and there's such a thing as wrong. It is wrong to bear false testimony. It is wrong to lie. It is wrong to steal. It's wrong to cheat. It's wrong in school. Well, if you believe in moral relativism, there isn't such a thing as cheating. How can you report upon cheating in the university? If everything is relative and all morality is relative, there isn't such a thing as cheating. Your answers belong to me and my answers belong to you. It's all right. If, if sexual immorality is all right, what's wrong with cheating? You see where moral relativism leads to? It leads to whoever holds the gun rules. And I want you to understand that if you want to have blessing in your life, this is absolutely important. You want to have blessing in your life? Then you need to realize on Mount Sinai, God came down and said, Thou shalt not murder. So if Hitler decides it's all right to murder, God says, Hitler, you are dead wrong. And all the world will eventually realize that you are a brutal beast and you are not relatively evil. You are absolutely morally depraved. And it is wrong. That's what Mount Sinai did for us. One of the greatest challenges for you and young people, adults and children, one of the hardest things for us to do is going to be able to hold and believe the blessing that Moses wants to give us, that God spoke on Mount Sinai, and there is such a thing as right, and there is such a thing as wrong. But if you want to be blessed in your life, if you get squishy on what is right and what is wrong, then you're going to start to move into a curse. That's why Moses, as he begins this blessing upon his people, he begins with a blessing that came when God revealed himself on Mount Sinai. In verse 3, it says, Surely it is you who love the people. I want every one of you to realize that Moses is telling us that when God came down on Mount Sinai, God came in his love and in his grace. God cares about every single one of you. God is... is cherishes you as his kids. Every one of you that have invited Christ into your heart, you have received him and you become the children of God. And that needs to be the ground of blessing in your life. And that's why Moses can say, surely it is you who love the people. God is in love with his people. All the holy ones are in his hand. It's really interesting. He talked about the angels in the previous verse being the holy ones that come with God. But now he refers to the children of Israel as being the holy ones. And we can extend that into the new covenant, into the new covenant people, and you become the holy one. 
We think of angels being those that God really cherishes and that those that God really loves. But what Moses is showing us, and he says to his people, that God has brought you into a relationship where God loves you like he loves his angels. In fact, in the New Testament, it says in the book of Hebrews that we're going to be higher than the angels. So I want to ask you, if you don't feel loved today, if you don't feel like you're under a blessing today, you need to open yourself to this verse. Because this verse says that if you've received Christ into your heart, if you've been born again into God's family by grace, this verse is saying that God loves you as his people. It means that all of his holy ones are in his hand. It means that you're in the hand of God, which is a hand of safety. It's a hand of protection. It's a hand of blessing. If you have trouble, if you are cynical about life, if you're down about life, if you find yourself pouring acid on your kids, you find yourself pouring acid on your employees, you find yourself pouring acid on those that you're coaching, the problem is that you feel cursed inside. You haven't opened yourself up to the fact that God is saying, you are my people, and I love you, and you are in my hand, and I will protect you, and life will be okay. Boy, it's important to receive that revelation. And Moses puts his blessing upon each one of our lives. Surely it is you who love the people. All the holy ones are in your hand. Now, what do they do? Those that are loved by God, at your feet they will bow down. And from you receive instruction. That would be a great summary of what we should do every time we gather together on a Sunday morning. We first of all need to bow down before the Lord and worship. We need to realize that we've come to him as the great king, the one that did reveal himself on Mount Sinai. He has come to us and he comes to us with a blessing. It's very important for us to quiet our heart. It's, it's important to bow physically, but it's even more important to bow in your heart. To be able to take this time out and be able to, to stop and adore him, to worship him. To bow down before him means that you acknowledge his lordship over your life. It means that you allow him to have the control that he rightfully deserves. It also means positively that you give a blessing back to him. You all know the power of blessing. You all know how it makes you feel. Using the coach's analogy, I can remember coaches saying one positive thing about the way that I threw a football, and I could practice and practice and practice for weeks on just one word of encouragement. Doing the radio ministry, it's incredible. People will write in. And they'll give an encouraging word. And time and time again, it comes right when I feel cursed. Right when somebody wrote me a letter that just lambasted what I said. Mary will come in and, and hand me a letter of blessing. And it's incredible, the power. It's incredible, the power of the blessing and the power of the curse. And that's what Moses is speaking to us about. In our worship times, we have power to bring blessing to God. In other words, all during the week, God hears people curse him because he knows all things. So he hears all this blasphemy against him. He hears all this negative talk. But when we sang to him and we told him that we loved him, one of the things I want you to learn to do is it's not, a, it's not just an issue of remembering all the nostalgic times that you had in church. The main thing is, has our heart bowed down before him and told God that we love him. You can do that a cappella. You can do that with Caribbean rhythmic melodies and music. You can do that with, with modern contemporary sounds. 
You can do that with the old hymns. You can do that with all different kinds of forms. But the issue is, is your heart bowing down? And are you really getting in touch? And I want to share something with you. That's not easy for me to do. Because I'm a head person. And I'm thinking about what I'm going to do in just a few minutes. I'm thinking about the message that I'm going to give. And it takes a great discipline for me to concentrate and to open my heart and to really praise the Lord. How about you? But if you don't do it, if you don't learn to worship, then you're not going to be able to receive the instruction. You see, that music time that we spend together in our churches, that music time where we open our hearts to God is what prepares the ground so that we can hear the instruction, which is the next thing that Moses talks about. He says that you need to bow down and, and worship in verse 3, but he also says that at thy feet they all bow down, and from you they receive instruction. You see the relationship? Worship. We open our hearts to bow down. Then our hearts are prepared so that we can worship the Lord. That Old Testament reality of worship, opened heart to instruction, carried right over into the New Testament as well. The law that Moses gave us is the possession of the assembly of Jacob. He was king over Jeshurun when the leaders of the people assembled along with the tribes of Israel. And so the instruction they received, they opened their hearts in worship, then they could receive the instruction of God's law. And that needs to be the pattern that we follow in our own individual life. It needs to be the pattern that we follow in our corporate worship life. We get the vertical relationship opened up through praise, through bowing down before him, acknowledging him as our king, and then we can open our heart to receive instruction. Then Moses proceeds to give a personal word of blessing to each one of the tribes of Israel except Simeon, which in future years was incorporated into the tribe of Judah. This is specifically for the Jewish people. In other words, as you go through these different blessings, to be honest with you, in the Hebrew text, it's very hard to translate some of, this, some of these verses. It's very poetical. Uh, there's a lot of words that are in these verses that are only used once. But there's some general things that I can teach you. First of all, almost every one of these promises have to do with agricultural prosperity, like material blessing for the people. There's also some very specific words about protection militarily. I think one of the overarching applications that we could get from this, one of the things that powerfully grips me about this blessing is when I think of the blessing in context. Moses is giving the blessing to Reuben. For example, I can use that as one of the blessings to illustrate what I'm talking about. He says to Reuben, Reuben, live and not die, nor his men be few. Very short word. He says to Reuben, Reuben, live and not die. In fact, I think it would be a better translation to say, even though your men are few. He says, Reuben, live, don't die, even though your men are few. What does that mean? Reuben was, was the first son but he was a son that lost the blessing under Jacob. And so Joseph and Judah became the promised children. Judah receiving the messianic promise, Joseph receiving the physical promise of prosperity and also of, of rulership, of a, being a more powerful tribe, which in the history of the northern kingdom was fleshed out with Ephraim, the second son of Moses, taking preeminence throughout all the history of the north and south kingdom. So Reuben is the firstborn son that's kind of left behind. He could feel under the curse. He could feel like God wasn't for him. And yet in this blessing, which is very similar to the blessing that God gave through Jacob, this time Moses, many years later, says to Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, I want you to live, Reuben. My word for you is I want you to live. 
I want you to live and not die. He said, your numbers are going to be few because that's what Jacob said. You're not going to be the most preeminent tribe, but I want you to know that my word for you is a word of blessing. Was that important for the Reubenites? Yes. Because, see, these Reubenites, their possession was in Transjordan, just to fill you in on some details. They already had their possession. In fact, they were right near where their homeland was going to be when Moses gave these words. But God had told them they had to go in and fight with the rest of the tribes. And they were going to face, I mean, when Moses gave these blessings, like if I say to you, live and not die, it's, you say, well, I'm not really that much worried about dying this week. But if you were soldiers, it would be a totally different ballgame. And I come to you and say, I want to give you a blessing. I want you to live and not die. And I'm a man of God. And I bring word from God saying, you are going to live and not die. Would that be important then? You bet. And that's what Moses is doing for these people. In fact, one of the major things, as you go through each tribe, as you pick up on these tribes, you'll find out that again and again, Moses promises them great victory. Let me pick up one here where it speaks about Joseph. If you look at verse 17... It's speaking about the tribe of Manasseh and Ephraim, the tribe of Joseph. It says, in majesty, he's like a firstborn bull. His horns are the horns of a wild ox. With them, he will gore the nations, even those at the end of the earth. Such are the ten thousands of Ephraim, such are the thousands of Manasseh. Some of our young people that have rode Brahma bulls at a rodeo know that the horns are the majesty of a Brahma bull. Man, if you get bucked off and the clown doesn't do his thing just right, and those horns come whipping faster than you can ever think, you learn that the power of that bull is in those horns. I mean, there's majesty in those horns. In the ancient world that Moses was speaking to, they had a creature that's since become extinct. The ancient writers talk about these gigantic, oxen-like, bull-like, you know, it's hard to even know exactly which family uh, that they were in. But they were these gigantic beasts. We have some descriptions of them with just massive horns. Maybe like the wild bulls of Africa. Like the wild buffaloes. And it describes this creature that no one can tame that lived down along the Jordan River. And that's the imagery that's used here. This gigantic bovine creature that's got these gigantic horns that nobody can tame. And what Moses promises Ephraim and Manasseh, you're going to have that kind of victory when you attack. Was that a word of blessing for this tribe? Yes, it was. Now, I want to play this cynic. What chance, in other words, one of the things I've told you is, the blessing of Moses is that Israel's going to have victory over their enemies. They're going to have agricultural prosperity. They're going to have material prosperity. Now, what's the objective reality of what this tribe has as Moses gives that blessing? They're poised on the edge of the promised land. They're up 2,000 feet above the Jordan River. They're going to go down 2,000 feet, go across the Jordan River, and face Jericho. That's what they're going to face. Now, from a human standpoint, what chance does a group of nomadic tribes have attacking fortified city? Jericho has walls that are about as thick as this whole auditorium right here. They have earthen walls at the base of the walls that are about as thick as this auditorium. They're several stories high. Now, what chance does this nomadic group of people, and that's just one of the city, hot sort of to the north, is, is even more fortified than Jericho. And it's a more preeminent city. That's to the north. There are cities like that up and down the land. What chance does this group of nomads have of taking that land? So I could raise my hand when Moses gave this blessing and say, hey, you know, you guys aren't going to make it. I want to ask you a question. Are you one of those people that's constantly saying, hey, you know, you're not going to make it? 
Are you ever like that? You know, we're, we're just not going to make it as a family. You know, I just don't think we can get through. I'm just not going to make it with this math. I, we're just not going to win this ball game. We're just not going to make it. Man, who knows what's going to happen? The whole thing's going to cave in. Do you feel like that? I want to share with you. Be really careful of that kind of thinking. Because God wants to bring a blessing to our life, and he wants to do it in a million different ways. One of the things in my own life is it's so easy for me to have a curse. It's so easy for me to look at what's out there, for me to look at the challenges that are ahead and say, you know, I've had it. I don't think I want to do it any longer. You ever feel like that? In fact, every one of you have felt that. Every one of you this week have probably looked at some of the giants, some of the cities, some of the fortifications that you are facing in your land, and you said, I've had it. I've had it. And you start to curse. Man, I find that attitude comes over to me just like that. And I'm a very optimistic person. You can ask Mary. Mary's a realistic one. I'm the one that says, let's go for it. Man, we can do it. But deep inside of my heart, there's very much of a curse often. We can't make it. It's not going to work out. We're going to lose. The children of Israel could have felt that. From a human standpoint, the chance of them taking Jericho, the chance of them taking Hatsur was zilch. But guess what, my friend? Guess whose blessing became reality? You can go through every one of the blessings that God pronounced through Moses on these different tribes. And God said they would have agricultural prosperity. They would have military prosperity. I want you to know that ultimately... If you want to know who ultimately is going to rule over the kingdoms of this world, it's going to be Moses' people. Romans chapter 11 says there's going to come a new day for this people. And one day they're going to respond to their Messiah. And their hearts are going to turn from a hardness towards Messiah Jesus. And Moses' people, his earthly physical people, according to Romans chapter 11, it, it, it tells us that their heart is going to repent that they're going to be atoned for, that they're going to respond to Messiah Jesus, just like Saul did and became Paul. And in that day, when national Israel responds to Messiah Jesus, their Messiah in heaven will hear their voice and will respond to their prayer, and he will come, and all the blessings that God pronounced, his physical blessings that God pronounced in this chapter, will become real and true. You say, Dave, how do you know that that's true? How do I know it's true? Because historically, down through the ages, God has preserved the Jewish people. Somebody asked a British statesman one day, why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you respond to Jesus? And he answered the one word. He said, the Jew. What did he mean by that? He said, if you want to have historical verification." for the fact that Christianity, based upon the Old and New Testament, is different than any other religion, if you want to have historical verification for this, then you just need to read the promises that God gave to his people, the Jews, an ancient people that all of you kids study about in Western civilization. You just look at the Jew. The fact that they're still here, the fact that the nations have not swallowed them up, the fact that God continues to bring them back into the land. The fact that one day they are going to be blessed because they are God's physical people. And he will fulfill his physical blessings to them. 
proves that our faith is not built on sinking sand, but it's built on a rock that's going to last forever and ever. And that's why you can bring a blessing. Some of you say to me, well, I'm not a Jew. Does that mean that God hasn't blessed me? No. Romans 11 says this. God allowed his own people, his physical people, to be hardened for a brief time, for a little time. He made it possible for any one of them to respond. Paul said there's always be a remnant. But Paul says in Romans 11 that, that the Jews were hardened for a time so that you could all come in, so that you could all come under the blessing. And then he says that in the end of time, when the Jews respond, that there's going to be a massive blessing and even millions more are going to come in. The biblical message is not like a Scrooge God who keeps his blessing from almost everyone. It is of a bountiful God that generously and bountifully and richly rewards us with blessing. So what are you going to believe about your own life? Moms, what are you going to believe about your life today? You're going to bring a blessing to your kids? Or are you going to curse them? Say, Dave, how can I get rid of the curse? You open your heart to the vertical blessing. You realize, my Father in Heaven promised it'll be okay. So I can be okay inside. Dads, how can you keep from cursing? How can you conquer that, that, that incredible animal inside that makes you bring bitter words? You open your heart to the, the vertical blessing. You open your heart to that blessing that Moses talked about. God has come to us. He's revealed himself. Kids, how do you stay positive when things are really bad? When you think, man, school's not going to work out. I think I might have flunked this, this exam. Or I think I might have I wiped myself out of I might have wiped myself out. I'm not going to be able to go to this school because you can know deep in your heart God's going to bring a blessing. That ultimately your Father in Heaven will work it all together for good. And there will be blessing in the end. Lord, I thank you so much that Moses, after all the hard words that he's had for the chosen people of the Old Testament, I'm thankful that as an old man of God, as he raised his hands towards heaven and put them upon the heads of these people, that as this daddy of Israel, that he did not pronounce a curse, but upon every tribe he pronounced a blessing. Lord, I thank you that your promises are secure, that they'll last forever. You promise that you'll keep your word. And we thank you, Lord, that just as you kept your word to Israel, that you'll keep your word to us. Lord, some of my brothers and sisters today are filled with cursing. They're very negative about life. They're wondering whether they can ever get through. Lord, I've been there. I've been there even this week. Lord, those feelings of feeling that everything is, is topsy-turvy, that there's no way that we can be victorious, that we're going to lose, that we're defeated. Lord, those ideas just snuff out the motivation for life, and we start to just plod through. It's real difficult for us to make it. Instead of having battle shouts of victory, we're ready to retreat and, and run away. Lord Jesus, I would pray that you would use Deuteronomy 33 today to be your voice to us that you come to us like the brilliant sunshine that comes up every single day, that you shine your light rays of warmth upon us and you bless us.